Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored by Ohad Fisherman. Welcome back. Dedicated in memory and Lilu Nishmat Mazal Haya Bat Adina. Breakfast is sponsored as well in loving memory of Linda Falak, Alea Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Yafa Bat Mazal. Sponsored by her son Jack Cookie Falak. Uh, breakfast is also sponsored by Jimmy Haber, dedicated in honor of his parents, Nat and Lillian Haber. We should be Zochebe Ezrat Hashem to experience only. Simha and joy uh, in our in our holiday, Rabbi I wanted to share maybe one one interesting idea. <clears throat> now we're all familiar with the idea that on uh, each one of the halach, each one of the hagim of the regalim is given to us in honor and in memory uh, in the zechut and through the power of one of the avot. There's three regalim and there's three also forefathers. The concept of a regal. Uh, which is called the regel. It's also, it's the idea is that uh, the the Jewish people would be ole regel. Why do we call it regalim? Three legs. Three three right. Regel means a leg. Why do we call it three legs? Because three times a year on the holiday they would have an obligation to be ole regel. Go up and walk up all the way to the Beit Hamikdash. There's many people even to this day that do it, and that's a big part of why the video you just saw. Uh, on your phone of Birkat Kuanim and everyone going up, that's a big part of the remnant of this idea of everyone going to the bit, towards the Beit HaMikdash to be able to, uh, to spend the Hagim uh, together, to be able to have the Birkat Kuanim together and to celebrate all the Shilamim and the Korbanot. It was a wonderful time in Be'ezat Hashem soon who'll be zochet to experience it again. But there's another element as well to this concept of shalosh regalim, of, th- of the three legs. <clears throat> and I think that this is an important thing. The, uh, the, the Midrash tells us that when Bil'am was attempting to curse Am Yisrael and to destroy the Jewish people, so there's three specific times where the, uh, the what's it called, the, the donkey turns away, and each time Bil'am hits the donkey to be able to get it back. Our rabbis tell us that each one of the uh, concepts, the place where the donkey went, represented each one, one of the avot. One time he goes into Sadeh, one time he goes into a kerem, one time he goes into a small and narrow place. Each one of the turns that the donkey took was to, uh, was to represent one of the, the elements of the, of the three avot. Now, what's interesting is that these three turnings of the donkey, where the donkey was effectively creating a roadblock for the cursing of Bil'am, a protection for the Jewish people from the curses, from the devastation of Bil'am. Each one of those, <clears throat> our rabbis explain that the donkey was communicating through HaKadosh Baruch Hu, obviously, was telling Bil'am that you're trying to destroy these people. Don't you understand that they have the zechut of the Shalosh Regalim? Now that sounds like an interesting thing, because if we're referring to three specific mitzvot, the mitzvah of Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, these regalim, these, these mitzvot, there's many, 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 610 other mitzvot in the Torah that we accomplish. Why specifically was he raising these shalosh regalim? And the answer, Abu Tai, is that the shalosh regalim are but a mirror, a, uh, uh, a reflection of the avot themselves that gave us these special holidays. Now, standard uh, operating procedure, most people understand that the holiday of Sukkot was given to us in the, in the merit and through the zechut of which one of the avot? Everyone says Yaakov. Why Yaakov? Because the pasuk tells us about Yaakov, that Yaakov, when he got to this place, he built uh, booths for his animals, vayas, 
Laim Sukkot, he makes for them Sukkot, and then he builds homes for his children. And because of that, he calls the place, the city, that he's sitting in Sukkot. That's the standard operating procedure. But I read a tremendous chidush this year, that actually the Shalosh Regalim, the, the Regal, the uh, holiday of Sukkot was actually given over in the merit of Avraham Avinu. Why? Two specific things. Number one, it tells us, The Gemara says on, this, on these words, What was the blessing that Abraham was given? One opinion says he was given a daughter. Another opinion says he had a daughter, and the daughter's name was Bakol. Bakol Shema. Hashem blessed Abraham Bakol. But the last opinion, interestingly enough, when you're talking about what he was blessed with, is that Abraham was zochet to build and live in a sukkah. Fascinating this concept, and that descri- that description um, is the description of Abraham Berachta Abraham Bakol. Abraham was blessed with everything. That's the description that Abraham was given a sukkah. Again, I ask this question: If the words that the Torah is using is that God blessed uh, Abraham with everything, Bakol, why in the world would that be describing sukkah? Now, the Vilnagaon explains. That the reason why Bakol references Sukkah is because the three Pesukim that discuss the obligation of Sukkah in the Torah, Basukot or Shaftet Bnei Israel, begin with a Bet, they begin with a Chaf, and they begin with a Lamed. Ki Basukot or Shaftet Bnei Israel, a Chaf, and Lamed as well. Each one of the Pesukim that describes Sukkah begins with one of those letters. Now it takes a Vilna Gaon to be able to pull off a chedush like that. And I love the idea that when we say Avraham berachat Avraham, v'ashem berachat Avraham bakol, we mean a sukkah. But why would that represent Avraham's blessings? All of his blessings are communicated in the mitzvah of sukkah as opposed to any other mitzvah. Rabbi I want to share one specific idea which I think is marvelous. And that is that we're all familiar with the idea that when a person sits in the sukkah, it needs to be hama is tzilta muruba mehamata that the shade needs to be more than the hama than the sun and there's a specific reason why the shade needs to be there more than the sun so that you're covered by enough sikhach that we could say you're more covered than not covered that's the halachic the technical aspect of it but there's another idea and it's interesting the paradox on the one hand we have the sikhach is supposed to block out the sun you have to have most, mostly shade, uh, more shade than sun. On the flip side, also we know that the sechach cannot be so thick and so tightly packed together that, so as to block the person's view of the stars. Fascinating, because that in an essence is the journey of Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu is the first person to fight against the, uh, the concept of Abu Dazara, the pagan belief. Rambam writes, how is it possible that at that point in time, when they were so close to the creation of the world, could people have denied God? And the answer, Rambam writes, is that they didn't start by worshipping idols. They started first by worshipping the sun. And how did they worship the sun? They said, Uli, the sun is one of the great strong messengers of God. Without the sun, we couldn't live. If God gave the sun that power, it must be that it's worthy of our respect and of our service. That's how the slippery slope of Abu Dazara began, by worshipping the, uh, the stars in the sky, the sun and the moon, etc., etc. So we take on Sukkot a journey into a place where we block out the sun, that the shade of the place is far outweighs the sun of that place. 
a almost, if you will, a willful ignoring of the power of the sun. And yet, at the same time, what happens, we obligate ourselves to be able to see the stars. Because Abraham says, all of my blessings are nothing. Hashem says, I'm going to bless you with this and with this and with this. And God says to, Hashem says to God, I don't understand, Abraham says. He says to Hashem, Mechila. He says, I don't understand. What could you give me? Matitenli. What could you give me? ariri, And I'm going forth without any children. And this Eliezer, and this Damesek, you know, he's Damesek, this one is, he is the one that's going to inherit my whole home. How could you give me any blessings? That means that for Avraham Avinu, all of the blessings in the world were considered to be nothing. Why? Because he had no children. What does God do in response to that? He takes Abraham, he takes him outside, and he lifts him above the stars. He tells him, look, go try and count the stars. If you could count the stars, then you'll be able to count your children. Understand, one more time then. When, I, when God says to Abraham, now we understand. What does it mean that he was blessed Bakol? That means, as the, Gemara, as the Midrash explains, that means that Abraham sat in a sukkah. That he was capable at the one hand of blocking out from the world the concept of Abu Dazara, and at the same time with an ability to be able to notice the stars because that was the biracha that God had blessed him. The only biracha that Abraham wanted in his world, the blessing of being able to have children and to carry on his message. But why is Abraham's, what is the blessing of Abraham's children? This is the nature of the sukkah, that at the one hand you're capable of seeing the stars, but why is Abraham blessed? Why is he chosen? Like the pasuk says, and I know, I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his home to follow in my ways, in my ways, as we said, and not in the ways of Abu Dazara, in the ways uh, that are anathema, the opposite of the Torah itself. Rabutai, if that is Am Yisrael, an ability to discard and to look away from all of the, the temptations of this world, all of the shine, all of the light that this world has to offer, if that is our capability, that we could still within that process and in that space see our future, see the future generations of Am Yisrael, then through that we can understand the following occurrence. And Yudzayid Elul on the 17th day of Elul, in the year, uh, in the year Tafresh Saditat, was the year that the Germans invaded into, into Poland. And immediately, in three days, they absolutely decimated the Poles to the point where they were bombing every one of their cities uh, and the Poles had no idea how to fight. They came riding out with the horses to try and combat against the Panzer tanks. I mean, it was over, like they say, in three days. The last stronghold was Warsaw. So people from all different areas and all different cities and towns tried to make their way to the city of Warsaw because they were afraid of the uh, oncoming in- invasion of the German forces. One of the people that was there, that traveled, that moved, uh, uh, that got to the, to the city of Warsaw was the, the Rav, the Briskarov. Everyone is hiding in bunkers. They're pummeling the city incessantly until finally, after the three days, the Poles signed into, uh, into effect the surrender to the Germans and the Germans suddenly stopped bombing. People slowly started coming out of the, uh, of the bunkers and the day that they came out of the bunkers was... Uh, Erev Sukkot. Everything is blown to bits. 
people are running around in the streets of Warsaw. And what are they doing? What are the Jews busy doing after everything's been blown to bits? They're finding pieces of wood and of schach and whatever from the debris and building Sukkot. That's what's happening on Erev Haga Sukkot on that fateful year. The Briskarov is looking and he is overwhelmed with the pride of what the Jewish people looks like, where a person is capable, even after all the lights go out, of being able still to see some stars, still to see a future. If you could count the stars, so will your children be. And he's overwhelmed by the power of Am Yisrael. And he's walking through the streets and he sees a, a, a Jewish man and his face is, the guy is very, very upset. It's already nighttime, it's already the sukkah, the briskarov goes up to him, he gives and tries to cheer him up, he says, look, I'm sure everything is terrible, but he says you should try as best you can to be happy. It's a, it's a celebration, celebration today. Well, this is the Hazman Sim Hatenu. You know, what's going on that's so bad that you can't find a place, a road back to joy? And the man says to him, he says, you know, I've lost a lot. My home has been destroyed. We're very afraid about what's coming. He said, but that's not why I'm upset. He says, so why are you upset? He says, because in all of the city of Warsaw, with all of the thousands and thousands of Jews that are here, he says, it's, there's nowhere to find a lulav and etrog. My whole life I've never missed a lulav and etrog. But who has an etrog in these difficult times? Impossible. You can't go by. There's no uh, eichlers. You know, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How can it be that Hagasukot should come and, uh, and I, should lose a lulav, uh, I should not have a chance to lulav and etrog? Briskarov smiles. He says, "That's why you're so sad." He says, "Cheer up." He says, "In my uh, in my bunker, with me, I brought. I have a love and I have an etrog, which is actually mehudar. It's beautiful. Nothing happened to it. Nothing. No bombs exploded. No debris caused the hole. It's perfect shalem, perfect condition. You're more than welcome to uh, to shake it. Of course, anyone that would like is welcome to shake my etrog and lulav." The briskarov goes to sleep, and in the middle of the night, he starts hearing noises outside. He's terrified. He jumps out of his bed. He runs to the window to see what the noises, the movement outside is. And outside, he sees a sight that I'm sure the briskarov remembered till the day that he died. There's a line of people all the way down, snaking down the road. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jews who'd heard that there was a lav and a trog in the town. And they were seeking him out. Now they were lining up already from Hatzot, from the middle of the night, because they wanted to be able to get a chance. And they knew with all the Jews in the city, with however many people they would be there, there might not be a chance. Even if they shook from the morning until the night, when you're allowed to shake the lulav, maybe there wouldn't be enough time. So people were waiting, they were online. What an unbelievable people. This is the, this is the, uh, the, uh, this is the Am Yisrael. The briskarov was witness to, and he used to always tell it over with, with great emotion when he spoke about about that line. Now there's an end to the story, but that's not for now. And I think, when I when I think of the sukkah, that's what I think of. I think of the uh, merit of Avraham Avinu, the uh, the ability that we have to be able to be in a place where there's almost no sun, where there's almost no light. A person sits like they say, like we say, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, it, 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 we say in the tefillah from David Amelech. We say <clears throat> that a person can find even in their uh, in their darkest night there's still emuna and the emuna is that even if things are terrible now, 
I know that if I stay the course, if I stay the path, if I build my sukkah, if I shake my lulav, if I keep my Shabbat, the day will come where the sun will rise again, where I will not be plunged into darkness uh, uh, forevermore. And I think that this is the koach, Rabbutai, this is the koach of this holiday of Avraham. Avraham is a person who sometimes feels, in the world, he feels very alone. He doesn't feel like he has any friends. Yitzchak Avinu had Avraham and he had Yaakov. Yaakov had Yitzchak, Avraham, he had the 12 Shivatim. But who did Avraham have? His own father's turning him in uh, to, to Nimrod to try and get him killed for spreading uh, the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes it feels, in order to be able to do the right thing, a person feels alone. They feel like they're in a sukkah, they don't, they're not safe, they're not secure, they don't have their family around them immediately, necessarily. The people of the town are not with them. A person sitting by himself in the sukkah, and that's enough. Uh, you know, I think that that's an amazing thing, because at the end of the day... <clears throat> At the end of the day, if a person could look up through the slats and still see that there's going to be a future, well, however difficult the practice is in that moment, doing the right thing at business, doing the right thing uh, with someone in a relationship, doing the right thing with regards to a mitzvah, being honest, being pure, being wholesome, being trustworthy. And at that time, a person thinks that it can't be that doing this mitzvah is going to lead me anywhere. You know, I think if I was if I was there, I would love to believe that I would have been online as well. But you know, I think that maybe we're not as good as not as special as that generation. I think maybe at that time, I would think to myself, look, if I if I share, if I really believed in God, if I was supposed to do the mitzvot, so you know what. Hashem shouldn't have brought this terrible situation upon me. That's the way you want to be God? Okay, I'll do, I'll shake lulav when I'm in the Waldorf Astoria. You know what I mean? That's what I'll build. I'll build my sukkah when you bring me to Miami Beach. But not not over here in Warsaw. But that is the power of Am Yisrael, that we have uh, always been able to do that, those, those wonderful misvot. And I think that's what happened when Bil'am was trying to go and curse the Jews. He was trying to find, like the Pasuk tells us, each time he tried to find another vantage point, another lane, another angle, to be able to look at the Jews negatively and find something that his curses could be hal on. Like you know, we say a beracha only could be, it could rest on, a, on something special. A beracha only rests on something that already is blessed within the person. Like we always speak about with Elisha, Shunamit. She, the, the, the woman comes to Elisha and she says, I have nothing. And he says, well, what do you have in the house? She says, I have empty jugs. He says, okay, we're going to fill those with Berakha. And he blesses her with a limitless supply of oil until she's able to fill everything. But without the jugs, there would have been nothing for the blessing to rest on. The same thing is true for Kilalot. If there's nothing for something to, for the Kilalat to be to rest on, to, to be able to plant roots in, then the Kilalat can't come. So Bil'am keeps trying to find another route to find Am Yisrael, and it doesn't work each time with their own regalim. And I think maybe perhaps that's also hinted at when the Pasuk says, that Bil'am looks and he says, Matovu ohalecha Yaakov mishkinotecha Yisrael. How praiseworthy are your tents? The sukkah is also similar to that concept of the concept of a tent, of an oil, a place <clears throat> where although the sun maybe isn't shining, but still a person is capable of seeing uh, the, the stars of Abraham, the future of Am Yisrael, the, uh, the fact that once again, at some stage, the sun will rise and Am Yisrael, however beaten, however bruised, however bloody, it may become in certain times is always destined to rise again stronger and stronger and stronger. Baruch Adonai Amen. Ma